Hello, and welcome to the Michigan Milken Educator Podcast. I am Kevin Toby, Milken Educator 2015. In this episode, I interview Nick Peruski, Milken Educator 2019, about his career in education, including his transition from teacher to administrator. So I, I would like to welcome you to our Milken Educator Podcast for Michigan. Uh, my name is Kevin Toby, and I will be your host today. This is my first ever time hosting a podcast, so you'll have to bear with me a little bit. I hope everything goes well. I am excited, enthusiastic, uh, very happy to have Nick Peruski here with me um, today on the on the podcast, and I would like to uh, welcome him and invite him to share a little bit of information about himself right now for you. Hey there, Kevin. So I'm the Milken Educator Award recipient of 2019. Um, I've been in public education for 13 years, um, 11 as a teacher, and then now this is my second year as an administrator. Um, when I when I received the award, I was still a teacher. Um, I've been married to my husband for almost eight years. We've been together for 22 years. Um, we live in Howell, and I work in White Lake, which is in the Huron Valley School District. Um, just some personal stuff. We love to travel. We have a couple of fun trips planned, one to Vegas in a month and a, a trip planned for Europe over the summer. Um, I'm a huge runner. I'm super active. It's really my Zen therapy time. Um, I think being in education can sometimes be stressful. So having something to kind of, you know, mentally be able to process the day and plan the next day, it's really my own like therapy time for myself. Um, and I think I'm a huge advocate for public education. I think it's really important to level the playing field so that all students have an equitable access to public education. And that really fuels a lot of what I do. So I, I you know, I, I also enjoy running. Are you a winter runner or do you hibernate when it comes to this time of year? I am. I'm kind of crazy. I kind of feel like super empowered when I go out for a few mile run and I come back and I'm snow covered and icicles on the beard and everything. It, it, it feels awesome. Yeah. I go slow in the winter for sure, but I love it. <laughs> See, I, I have a little bit, I'm, I'm an, I'm an old sprinter. And so my mentality is if it hits below 32 degrees, I'm, I'm, I'm out. And so I have a definitely a fair weather runner. So I, I sure. was actually, I, I was actually uh, able to attend your ceremony when you received the Milken award. Um, and it was interesting for me because it's a totally different experience when you're on the other side of, of getting that and, and you know what's coming and, and you know what that experience is all about and you kind of get to just watch and take it all in. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, just kind of your experience on that day and, and, and when maybe you realized that you were the person that we were uh, there to recognize and, and just, uh, just a little bit about that experience? Yeah, so it was such a surreal experience. And I know, you know, talking to other Milken educators, um, you know, I feel like that's a really common um, thing that's brought up. Um, it was a total surprise. Um, when my name was announced, I was just in like complete shock. And I was just standing there. And actually, the person behind me had to kind of like push me to get me to walk because I was in shock. And I don't love attention being on me necessarily. And so the fact that everybody, you know, all the students, all the staff, everybody was looking at me, I was just like, oh my, it was just overwhelming. Um, and, but it was such a 
positive, amazing experience. And it's led to so many cool opportunities and, and given me the chance to meet so many um, phenomenal educators across the country. Um, but yeah, that day was really special and, and still, still to this day, it, it's hard to process everything because there was so much going on and it was just such a surprise and just such a cool, unique experience. I'm very grateful for it. You know, something that, that you brought up there is interesting to me that I feel like one common theme that I hear with educators that get recognized is how they don't like the attention, right? And they, they don't want that recognition. And I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit to why you think educators and, and, and you know, teachers um, have a hard time dealing with that individual kind of recognition. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think and I think that's really detrimental to our our profession, because I feel like teachers are doing such amazing things in their classrooms. And for whatever reason, we're not publicizing it. Right. We're not telling people the cool things we're doing. So, I mean, by and large, I'm sure people don't know what we're doing in our classrooms. Um, you know, I, I wish that part of a teacher prep program had a class on like marketing or, or you know, shouting from the rooftop what we're doing. Um, and I think social media has really changed the game where there's a lot of people that utilize, you know, Twitter and, and, and Facebook and other social media platforms to be able to showcase things that they're doing in their classrooms. But I think that teachers by and large went into the profession to, you know, help kids and make a difference. And so um, it's, it's not like a, a, a I think trying to get credit for something is not really what teachers are all about. They're all about helping people. It's more of like an altruistic calling rather than uh, trying to get credit for something cool that you're doing. Absolutely. And I just, I think that, you know, I think it's really difficult is uh, in, in the climate currently in education that there's a lot of negative things going on. And when you can't feel like you can celebrate some of your successes because there's maybe a little bit of guilt attached to it. I think that that's definitely a, a challenge there. Um, yeah, I know, I know a big, you just mentioned that, that guilt piece. I know that when I was, when I received the award, I definitely had um, a major case of imposter syndrome. And I, I like for a while just kept thinking, why me? I can think of so many other teachers in my building, in my district, in neighboring districts that are amazing and like for me it was hard to wrap my head around why me like i'm not any better than anyone else or i'm you know like i'm not worthy of this recognition and and i think you know that kind of leads into what you're you were saying as well okay so today um we haven't we haven't had very much snow in Michigan so far, and today we kind of got hit with uh, with a nice little dusting that that caused for some school closures. And and I know that you had yeah. the, the day off today, right? Um, so yeah. what 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 were some things, and maybe you had a little bit of time to process um, some of the experiences of the past month or or the school year. So so what were some things that you spent time thinking about today or recently? Uh, with respect to your current position and how things are going at your school? Yeah, well, I think today specifically, even though it was a snow day, um, I still had the opportunity to work with my principal and some staff members um, in my building to work through some challenges that we're, we're trying to overcome. Um, so I think, you know, there's there's always time to 
learn, grow, improve. Um, I think that's a big piece over the past, you know, this school year for sure. Something that I'm focusing on is becoming a, a more effective administrator. Um, last year was my first year as an assistant principal, and I really was spending, you know, a lot of time figuring it out. Like I, I was walking into a new scenario. In a lot of respects, I felt like a first year teacher again. You know, I had at the time 11 years of experience in education, but this was a new role. And um, I was really figuring everything out. Now this year, I feel like I have a better, much better idea of what's going on. And now I want to push myself to improve, you know, myself to be a better support for my students, my staffs and the families within my community. Um, so, you know, I'm looking at challenges that my building's facing, you know, staff morale is something you mentioned earlier, the, the mm -hmm. perception that the public has of educators. I think is something that is really important. Um, I know that's on a lot of staff members' minds. Um, so that's on my mind as well. You know, you know, how can we make staff members' lives easier? Because when staff members are happy and feel supported, that naturally trickles down to students. Um, we've had a couple of really difficult years, right? Dealing with COVID and school districts. I'm not sure about yours, Kevin, but mine really struggled with transportation last year. Um, we had a guest teacher shortage, which I know is really common across the state. Um, we had a, a tragedy in Oxford, um, which is just a few miles from my building. So that really caused um, a lot of challenges that we had to overcome. Um, you know, staff shortages, being able to fill positions. Um, there's just been a lot of challenges that I've been wrestling with. And I know the Michigan Milken Network has been talking about some of these as well. And, and I'm excited that, you know, that's, that those are things that we're focused on and trying to work to overcome. And there's there's definitely some some very universal issues that you brought up there with, you know, we've had we've also had an issue with being able to find enough guest teachers, although that's gotten a little bit better this year. But, you know, I think staff morale is is big on everybody's minds. And it's I, I think from, you know, a, a, a teaching standpoint, you know, it, it has to be a little bit more than just, you know, let's 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 do some stress relief or some yoga or something like that. There have to be some fundamental pieces in place, right, to keep that that staff mental health where it needs to be. Um, so as you know, yeah, I was just gonna say there's certainly things that are within my sphere of control as an administrator, but then there are certainly things that are outside of my sphere of control, and I think you know staff recognizes that, but I still think it's frustrating because there are a lot of things that you know we can't really impact change on directly it's, it's got to be you know something that we're working on on a more broader scale so so you since you've just made this transition it's a it's a big jump to go from the classroom to the an administrative role what kind of advice would you put out there to somebody that would be considering making that move professionally that's a great question um so i will say that i love my job it's really um, rewarding to be able to work so closely with kids that need support. So when you're a classroom teacher, you you know, if you're at the secondary level, you likely have 150, 160 kids. Um, so you've got maybe 30 kids in a class and you've got, I don't know, we'll say an hour of time to teach a lesson. You can't possibly have individual interactions with each of those kids every day, you know, to try to help figure out what's going on. But I, as an administrator, have that luxury where if a kid is acting out, you know, behavior is a form of communication. So when they're sent down to me 
um, you know, I see my role as trying to get to the root of the problem. Like a kid did something, a kid, you know, was mean to another student or, you know, was acting out in class for whatever reason, causing distractions. Well, I ask myself, why is that? And I try to get to the root of the problem and I have the luxury of being able to spend that time with the kid. But at the same time, I'm not in the classroom like a teacher is. So um, before someone makes the leap to an administration, you know, think, long about whether or not you want to leave the classroom because there's certainly aspects about being a teacher that I miss, right? Interacting with kids every day the way a teacher does is very different than how an administrator does. Um, so there's a lot of rewards to it, but I also miss being in the classroom. So, so take me back a little bit. When you started out in college, did you plan on going into education? Was that where you, you know, you started out right away, or was there a switch? And also, you know, along with that, did you ever see yourself when you were going through a teacher training program of wanting to go into that administrative role? Was that something that was a long-term goal of yours? Um. Well. To, to your first question, um, when I started off in college, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. I knew that I was really um, interested in learning and growing and improving, and I knew that I liked to help people. Um, so like when I was working through undergrad, for example, I remember I had coworkers who were struggling in math and my undergrad degree is in math and science. And so I found a lot of joy and fulfillment in helping them prepare for a test or helping them understand, you know, some lesson that they were being taught. Um, another memory that stands out is I have a cousin, Ethan, shout out, who um, was, I think he was probably, I don't know, 10 or 11 maybe at the time, and he was doing math homework, and I was helping him with it, and I had fun with it, and I remember one day my um, husband said, you should consider being a teacher, and I just looked at him, and I was like, oh, that's a good idea, and then it just kind of clicked, and like I never gave it a second thought, and it was just like, yep, that makes total sense, like everything kind of leading up to that point kind of guided me to that path and um, I'm, it just made sense and it fit. And then I just continued along that course. Yeah. We're, you know, I, I as I've gotten into this podcast a little bit, I, I really do think that maybe we should, we should limit this to only math and science people. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Other <laughs> Milliken educators out I, there, but I support that idea. <laughs> definitely. The math people are good people here. Right. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about your your building and what you feel like your building looks like on its best day. Like, what would what would a great day look like as you walked into the building and and navigated throughout the course of of an entire school day? Yeah. So when I walk into a classroom in particular, I I really want to see students talking to each other um, and really taking an ownership in their learning. You know, I think when I can say for myself specifically, but I'm assuming probably you as well, when we were in school, it was very much the sage on the stage approach, right? Where the teacher would sit there and lecture for the entire hour and students were there just taking notes um, and it wasn't as interactive. Um, when I walk into a classroom, I wanna see students talking to students and students being active and engaged in some kind of activity. I think that when students are doing something that's hands-on, it instantly creates more buy-in and when kids are excited, they want to learn, um, that just naturally you know, helps with classroom management. And when kids wanna do what they're doing, they're excited and, and it helps them just grow as a person, they gain that confidence. So I really view teachers' roles as kind of like, instead of the sage on the stage, they're serving as the guide on the side and they're helping facilitate conversations that students are having. 
Um, when I walk into a classroom, I want to see students doing, you know, as much talking as the teacher is doing. And it's challenging. It's, it's hard. I know as a teacher, when I taught this way, it's messy. It's, you know, controlled chaos, I would say. But I think that kids get a lot from it. And they're going to remember, you know, 20 years from now, they're going to remember, you know, I remember doing this fun activity in math class where we, you know, were calculating this. And then we went to the field house and did bar Barbie bungee jumping and we had rubber bands and, and they're going to remember the activities. Um, they're not going to remember, well, I learned this formula on this day. Um, so I think that it's really important to create, you know, unique learning opportunities for students to, to get them excited about learning. So that's what I want to see when, when I walk into a classroom. Yeah, and I know one of the one of the big challenges just for everybody is finding sometimes that professional time to have collaboration with the staff um, and just being able to interact and, and talk about some of the things that are going on inside the class. Do you have anything set up at your building or how, how would you say that your you know professional learning communities are set up in your building? Yeah, so I'm really fortunate over the past few years I've been um, working in our teaching, learning, and technology department as a teacher leader prior to becoming an administrator. So I was involved in, in some of this work, which is, you know, pretty cool. Um, so we have PLCs in place based on um, Michael Fullen's work. And so, you know, we see that as, you know, helping to work with the day-to-day -day operations or the week-to-week -week operations in your classroom. So typically they're subject or grade level based, depending on the building. Um, and really it's helping students work through, or helping teachers rather, work through four questions. You know, what do we want our students to learn? How do we know when they learn it? What do we do if they're not getting it? Or what do we do if they already understand it? And so all of our professional learning um, for those PLC days is based on that. And so it really empowers teachers to be able to work collaboratively together to, you know, look at their curriculum and look at, you know, maybe some data and tweak lessons as they go um come up with you know some sort of differentiation for students um, maybe some interventions for students that aren't understanding it and i think it's really really powerful to have teachers empowered to make those um choices and then we also do something in our building and district called collaborative inquiry um, and this is you know again it's empowering teachers they're looking at a, a specific area of focus they're coming up with an inquiry question and they're working together in groups and they're it's really almost like the scientific method so they're coming up with a theory of action you know if i do this then this will happen and then they've got some time to try it out in their classroom and then they come back together as a group and they share out and they say, this was my theory of action. This is how I tested it. This is what I found. This was my data and it could be, you know, quantitative or qualitative in nature. And then as a group, they kind of talk about it. And they're, again, they're all focused on a common area. So everyone may have different um, specific theories of action that they're testing, but they're all kind of related. And it's kind of neat because it gives you a view. I know you mentioned earlier the math and science piece, but you know it's kind of neat to take a question and examine it from the lens of an art class, a math class, a socialized class. Um, and it, I think it gives people different insights. And then they kind of go back and try it again. They have a new theory of action. So it's really like the scientific process of trial and error. And you know they may find out that you know they they tried this new activity or this new you know idea and maybe it worked or maybe it didn't and i think there's just as much power in finding out that something didn't work um as finding something that did work and i think it's really pushing our teachers to to grow as educators which is you know as my job as an administrator i think is really important 
Yeah, it sounds like uh, there's a lot of great points there and, and, and definitely a lot to unpack. And it, it was kind of, it was making me think that, you know, there are so many, there's so many positive stories that go on in schools throughout our state. And I think all of us are trying to tackle some of the same kinds of issues of, you know, that, that what, what do you, what do you do when a student doesn't get it? You know, what are some ways to intervene and what are some structures in place and, and I feel like there are some times when we get caught in a bubble and there's not much of an opportunity to have that kind of connection between districts, between buildings. And um, sometimes I feel like we're all like fighting this battle on our own. And if we could just share our ideas a little bit more, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree so more. I, f I definitely feel like we're in little silos, right? Doing our own thing. And I think networking and talking to other educators and other districts, I think is really powerful. Absolutely. So if, if you were, if you were to come up with, cause you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big a positive solution kind of person. Like I, I know that you are, if there was, if there was something at the state level that you would advocate for that you would think that, that you think would make a huge impact on um, students and teachers in Michigan, what, what do you think that would be? I think currently given our, our, climate of where we are i think we need to really focus at the state level on attracting people to the profession um you know it's really hard to find people that want to go into education now for a variety of reasons you know the the public narrative around public education has changed drastically and i know um, a lot of universities the, the the number of students that are entering into teacher prep programs is dropping significantly so i think that needs to be a really big focus at the state level and i think that would naturally trickle down to helping schools, helping students, being able to find, you know, high quality teachers to be able to, to help support them. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I, I just, <laughs> I, I know, I know that, you know, I, I'm connected a little bit with, with Michigan state and it's, it's right in our backyard here. And it's just, it's hard to find students these days that want to go into teaching. And it's definitely a challenge. I mean, I, I don't know if you ever talked to any students in your building, but when, when you ask them if, if they consider education as a profession, it's not, not, as, not as many as uh, there used to be that will say yes, that that's something that they would be interested in pursuing. Yeah, and that's, that's sad. So I think that that needs to be a focus, you know, for, for districts to try to, to combat. You know, there's a lot of districts that are trying grow your own type um, you know, solutions, but I think at the state level, it's something that we really need to focus on as well. All right. So I have, I have another like kind of interesting question here. That's just a little bit off the wall since, since I'm doing a podcast and I, I, I usually associate podcasts for myself with music. I, I listen to some music podcasts. So <laughs> what would be, if you, if you had a, a, uh, a, teacher principal playlist of something that you would listen to coming into work that would get you fired up to start the school day? What kind of songs would you have on your playlist as you headed into work? Oh man, that's a tough question. Normally, if I'm being honest, when I'm going into work, I'm listening to podcasts. Ah. <laughs> um, but I would say if it's going to be something to like pump me up, it would have to be something with like a beat, like some kind of maybe... I don't know, like electronic music or, I mean, I'm, I don't know, in my almost turning 40. So like 
and music in the 90s is is like my go-to so you know something from that era um but i'm a big podcast junkie and so that's usually what i'm listening to when i'm headed into work which is maybe a boring answer to your question sorry <laughs> no that's absolutely and i'm I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna give a shout out to rob harvilla and his 60 songs that explain the 90s podcast very oh, good yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. right yeah, that's a that's a sure. good one with the 90s <laughs> So, but so I as love, you... I love listening to podcasts just because I feel like I get little snippets of ideas to to think about and chew over, you know, as I'm driving to work or driving home from work. So, yeah, yeah. So, what is what is, you know, something that you a problem or something that you're, you're a challenge that you're taking on right now? Something that is in front of you that you're looking for a solution on. Yeah, that's a great question. So actually, the meeting I, I mentioned earlier on our snow day that we had is my district uh, or my building rather is looking at the MTSS model. And in particular, we're looking at tier two interventions. And so we're looking at how we can revamp tier two interventions in our building. Um, and so that's a big focus of, of ours this year. And so that's a problem that I'm currently wrestling with. We, um, you know, just to give you a little bit of background, we have um, resource rooms for our special education students. And a lot of them tend to focus on, you know, study skills and helping kids get caught up on homework and maybe study for an upcoming test. So it's all important things and, and good work that our, our teachers are doing, but we are shifting our thinking and we're changing our resource rooms to be more targeted to specifically help a student where their area of disability is. Um, and so we're currently playing around with what that could look like and researching, you know, different intervention tools and resources that our teachers can utilize to, to help us in this transition. So I'm really excited about that work. And I think it's going to make a big difference and a big difference for our students and a, and a big change for our building overall. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. And, and just just out of curiosity, so when, when you come up with with challenging situations and you're you're, you're trying to come up with solutions, do you have, you know, go to, um, do, you, do you keep most of your conversations in district? Do you branch out? Do you have connections you make with either professional organizations or just colleagues from other districts? What, talk to me a little bit about, about your network and how you utilize it. Yeah, I think it depends. Um, you know, I can say that I'm fortunate enough to have an MFF. Um, I'm looking friend forever. And so um, shout out to Jenna. Um, she and I have definitely talked through some challenges that we've had, which I think has been pretty supportive. Specifically, um, the beginning of the year, we were talking about, you know, what's our opening day going to look like? What type of professional development are we going to do with our staff? Um, we talked, we both kind of shared. It was nice because it's a two-way street, right? Like I'm her mentor. She's my mentee, but it doesn't really work like that. Like we both just kind of um, are equals and we both are in similar positions. And so it's it's a great opportunity for her to bounce challenges off of me and I can give my insight. And then I'm able to obviously do the same with her. Um, you know, I'm fortunate that my district is in Oakland County and Oakland schools is very supportive. So a lot of times, depending on what the work is, um, we'll work with consultants from Oakland schools when we were as a district revamping our PLCs and our collaborative inquiry process. Um, we worked with a consultant from Oakland schools and that was really helpful. Um, so, you know, it depends on what the, the challenge is. Sometimes it may just be a building based conversation. Sometimes it may be, you know, we'll reach out to other buildings in our district to see how they do things and to get ideas from them. So it really just depends on the, on the challenge that we're working through. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that in recording this today that uh, I, I really hope that this this podcast gets a little bit of an audience at least. And I'd like to encourage anyone listening out there that I know I certainly would be interested in connecting and you know, sharing ideas, sharing resources, or just being somebody to talk through ideas with. So if you're listening to this and you're looking for someone to connect with professionally, I know that I would, I would certainly be willing to do that. Absolutely. I would, I would absolutely do the same. So Nick, I, I, I'd like to thank you for being the guest on this podcast and you have been the best guest a first time host could possibly ask for. You have had <laughs> fantastic answers. You've been interesting to talk to you've come up with some 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 great um anecdotes and and just information for everybody out there so i i, I definitely appreciate you taking your time and, and being a part of this well thank you kevin and i've got to say you did a great job as well thank you for having me all right so that that's that's going to be it today for our uh, milken educator podcast from michigan and i thank you for listening and i hope you tune in to some future episodes thank you very much